At 6.13am on a Friday morning, Lucy Angertel's big blue eyes opened upon another day, and as always she was at once wide awake and began immediately to deal with the problems conjured up by her incredibly active mind. Feeling urgently the need of consultation and conversation, and selecting for the purpose her young cousin, Midge Hardcastle, who had arrived at the hollow the night before, Lady Angertel slipped quickly out of bed, threw a negligee round her still graceful shoulders, and went along the passage to Midge's room. Since she was a woman of disconcertingly rapid thought processes, Lady Angertel, as was her invariable custom, commenced the conversation in her own mind, supplying Midge's answers out of her own fertile imagination. The conversation was in full swing when Lady Angertel flung open Midge's door. "'And so, darling, you really must agree that the weekend is going to present difficulties.' Uh, "'What?' Midge grunted inarticulately, aroused thus abruptly from a satisfying and deep sleep. Lady Angertel crossed to the window, opening the shutters and jerking up the blind with a brisk movement, letting in the pale light of a September dawn. "'Birds!' she observed, peering with kindly pleasure through the pane. "'So sweet!' "'What?' Well, at any rate, the weather isn't going to present difficulties. It looks as though it has set in fine. That's something. Because if a lot of discordant personalities are boxed up indoors, I'm sure you will agree with me that it makes it ten times worse. Round games, perhaps. And that would be like last year, when I shall never forgive myself about poor Gerda. I said to Henry afterwards, it was most thoughtless of me. And one has to have her, of course, because it would be so rude to ask John without her. But it really does make things difficult. And the worst of it is that she is so nice." Really, it seems odd sometimes that anyone so nice as Gerda should be so devoid of any kind of intelligence, and if that is what they mean by the law of compensation, I really don't think it is at all fair. What are you talking about, Lucy? The weekend, darling. The people who are coming tomorrow. I've been thinking about it all night, and I've been dreadfully bothered about it, so it really is a relief to talk it over with you, Midge. You're always so sensible and practical. Lucy, said Midge sternly, do you know what time it is? "'Not exactly, darling. I never do, you know. "'It's quarter past six. "'Yes, dear,' said Lady Angertel, with no signs of contrition. "'Midge gazed sternly at her. "'How maddening! How absolutely impossible Lucy was! "'Really,' thought Midge, "'I don't know why we put up with her.' "'Yet even as she voiced the thought to herself, "'she was aware of the answer. "'Lucy Angertel was smiling, and as Midge looked at her, she felt the extraordinary, pervasive charm that Lucy had wielded all her life, and that even now, at over sixty, had not failed her. Because of it, people all over the world, foreign potentates, ADCs, government officials, had endured inconvenience, annoyance, and bewilderment. It was the childlike pleasure and delight in her own doings that disarmed and nullified criticism. Lucy had but to open those wide blue eyes and stretch out those fragile hands and murmur, Oh, but I'm so sorry, and resentment immediately vanished. Darling, said Lady Angertel, I'm so sorry. You should have told me. I'm telling you now, but it's too late. I'm thoroughly awake. What a shame, but you will help me, won't you? About the weekend? Why, what's wrong with it? Lady Angertel sat down on the edge of the bed. It was not, Midge thought, like anyone else sitting on your bed— it was as insubstantial as though a fairy had poised itself there for a minute. Lady Angertel stretched out fluttering white hands in a lovely, helpless gesture. All the wrong people coming, the wrong people to be together, I mean. Not in themselves, they're all charming, really. Who is coming? 
Midge pushed thick, wiry black hair from her square forehead with a sturdy brown arm, nothing insubstantial or fairy-like about her. Well, John and Gerda, well, that's all right by itself. I mean, John is delightful, most attractive. And as for poor Gerda, well, I mean, we must all be very kind, very, very kind. Moved by an obscure instinct of defence, Midge said, Oh, come now, she's not as bad as that. Oh, darling, she's pathetic, those eyes, and she never seems to understand a single word one says. She doesn't, said Midge, not what you say. But I don't know that I blame her. Your mind, Lucy, goes so fast that to keep pace with it, your conversation takes the most amazing leaps. All the connecting links are left out. Just like a monkey, said Lady Angertel vaguely. But who else is coming besides the Christos? Henrietta, I suppose. Lady Angertel's face brightened. Yes, and I really do feel that she will be a tower of strength. She always is. Henrietta, you know, is really kind, kind all through, not just on top. She will help a lot with poor Gerda. She was simply wonderful last year. That was the time we played limericks, or word-making, or quotations, or one of those things, and we had all finished and were reading them out when we suddenly discovered that poor dear Gerda hadn't even begun. She wasn't even sure what the game was. It was dreadful, wasn't it, Midge? Why anyone ever comes to say with the Angertels, I don't know, said Midge. What with the brain work and the round games and your peculiar style of conversation, Lucy. Yes, darling, we must be very trying, and it must always be hateful for Gerda, and I often think that if she had any spirit she would stay away. But, however, there it was, and the poor dear looked so bewildered and, well, mortified, you know, and John looked so dreadfully impatient, and I simply couldn't think of how to make things all right again. And it was then that I felt so grateful to Henrietta. She turned right round to Gerda and asked about the pullover she was wearing. Really a dreadful affair in faded lettuce green. Too depressing and jumble sale, darling. And Gerda brightened up at once. It seems that she had knitted it herself. And Henrietta asked her for the pattern. And Gerda looked so happy and proud. And that is what I mean about Henrietta. She can always do that sort of thing. It's a kind of knack. She takes trouble, said Midge slowly. Yes, and she knows what to say. Ah, said Midge. But it goes further than saying. Do you know, Lucy, that Henrietta actually knitted that pullover? Oh, my dear! Lady Angertel looked grave. And wore it? And wore it. Henrietta carries things through. And was it very dreadful? No. On Henrietta it looked very nice. Well, of course it would. That's just the difference between Henrietta and Gerda. Everything Henrietta does, she does well, and it turns out right. She's clever about nearly everything, as well as in her own line. I must say, Midge, that if anyone carries us through this weekend, it will be Henrietta. She will be nice to Gerda, and she will amuse Henry, and she'll keep John in a good temper, and I'm sure she'll be most helpful with David. David Angertel? Yes, he's just down from Oxford, or perhaps Cambridge. Boys of that age are so difficult, especially when they are intellectual. David is very intellectual. One wishes that they could put off being intellectual until they were rather older. As it is, they always glare at one so and bite their nails and seem to have so many spots and sometimes an Adam's apple as well. And they either won't speak at all or else they're very loud and contradictory. Still, as I say, I'm trusting to Henrietta. She's very tactful and asks the right kind of questions. And being a sculptress, they respect her, especially as she doesn't just carve animals or children's heads, but does advanced things like that curious affair in metal and plaster that she exhibited at the new artists last year. It looked rather like a Heath Robinson stepladder. It was called Ascending Thought or something like that. It's the kind of thing that would impress a boy like David. I thought myself it was just silly. Dear Lucy. But some of Henrietta's things I think are quite lovely. That weeping ash-tree figure, for instance. Henrietta has a touch of real genius, I think. And she is a very lovely and satisfying person as well, said Midge. 
Lady Angatel got up and drifted over to the window again. She played absent-mindedly with the blind cord. "'Why acorns, I wonder?' she murmured. "'Acorns? On the blind cord? Like pineapples on gates. I mean, there must be a reason, because it might just as easily be a fir cone or a pear. But it's always an acorn. Mast, they call it in crosswords, you know, for pigs. So curious, I always think. Don't ramble off, Lucy. You came in here to talk about the weekend, and I can't see why you were so anxious about it. If you manage to keep off round games and try to be coherent when you're talking to Gerda and put Henrietta on to tame intellectual David, where is the difficulty? Well, for one thing, darling, Edward is coming. Oh, Edward. Midge was silent for a moment after saying the name. Then she asked quietly, What on earth made you ask Edward for this weekend? I didn't, Midge. That's just it. He asked himself. Wired to know if I could have him. You know what Edward is. How sensitive. If I'd wired back no, he'd probably never have asked himself again. He's like that. Midge nodded her head slowly. Yes, she thought. Edward was like that. For an instant she saw his face clearly, that very dearly loved face, a face with something of Lucy's insubstantial charm, gentle, diffident, ironic. "'Dear Edward,' said Lucy, echoing the thought in Midge's mind. She went on impatiently. "'If only Henrietta would make up her mind to marry him. She is really fond of him, I know she is. If they had been here some weekend without the Christos, as it is, John Christo has always the most unfortunate effect on Edward.' John, if you know what I mean, becomes so much more so, and Edward becomes so much less so. You understand? Again Midge nodded. And I can't put the Christos off, because this weekend was arranged long ago, but I do feel, Midge, that it is all going to be difficult, with David glowering and biting his nails, and with John trying to keep Gerda from feeling out of it, and with John being so positive, and dear Edward so negative. 